I want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks. I had the pleasure of bringing my friend from Emory University, freshman year, now a qualified and guru coach for corporations across the land. Rachel Begun, welcome to your first Halo Talks. Thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here and to reconnect in, in this environment. Yeah, I mean, I guess we were uh, we are not as professional as we are today, so we'll try and keep that professionalism up for for 25 minutes. But you've come from an interesting background. Um, you know, maybe you could give uh, give your history of working uh, and then kind of what led you to be say, you know what, hey, I'm good at what I do, but actually I'm even better, you know, helping other people get to the next level. Yeah, I definitely have an interesting background. So thank you for asking that question. So my background, I started as a nutritionist, you know, after uh, after Emory, I was pre-med at Emory and I mm-hmm. took three years off and uh, to work before going back to graduate school for nutrition. And I knew during that time, I was kind of making the connection between having a fascination and passion for nutrition with communications. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time because nobody was really doing it at the time. But I went back to school for nutrition. I got my master's in nutrition education. And then I also uh, became a registered dietitian. So you have to go through a whole uh, internship program for that. And my first job out of college, or sorry, out of graduate school was to uh, work at a PR agency, a boutique agency, and all of our clients were focused on food and nutrition. So we were really all about using nutrition science as the foundation for communicating and promoting about our clients' products and services. And that's that's really where I got my feet wet. And so from there, I, uh, you know, in ha- the first part of my career was in-house as a corporate, you know, as a corporate executive. And I basically was working with a global contract food service manufacturer, so a huge company. Um, I also worked with a regional family-owned food and wine retailer, so got that experience. And I also um, worked with a natural food brand startup. And so I basically started as the uh, initial PR slash communication slash consumer affairs person. And we took that all the way through to a sale. Uh, and so went through that whole strategic exit process, which was a huge learning experience. And from there, I just really felt like I'd worked in different environments from big companies to startups to family owned. Like I had a different array of experiences there. Um, and then I started my own communications, uh, firm back in 2009 and I took that all the way through until 21 when I became an executive coach. 
and just worked with a lot of different food companies. I would say a majority of food brands like consumer packaged good products, but also um, health advocacy organizations, uh, media publications, um, you know, various aspects where food and nutrition was really the focus of the communications. And in addition, I was also, you know, being an expert, I was, you know, you know, educating the public through the media. That was kind of, you know, a parallel course to what I was doing. It's also what brought in business to the communications firm. And then I started realizing, you know, the latter part of, uh, of my business, you know, like 2015 to like 2020, I was working with a lot of founders and I was wow. really starting to kind of bring in more of the aspect of communications from the perspective of asking them the powerful questions like, what kind of culture do you want to build? What kind of leader do you want to be? What is the purpose of your existence? Because I felt like that was such a really powerful part of the communications platform. And I started realizing through that, that, you know, what I was most passionate about was helping uh, companies, founders, executives, teams to build their companies and their, uh, and their organizations and their cultures. Yeah. So when you look back to being at the PR firm, were you the most educated person there or was everyone else, you know, also kind of, you know, certified nutritionist and actually understood the underlying ingredients or were you able to kind of tell other people like, look, like they say this is better for you, but let me tell you why it isn't. Uh, Cause it seems like a unique kind of, you know, education set to be, to be in PR. Yes, that is a great question. I'm glad you like picked up on that. So no, when I first started, there were very few people. There were very few people with a nutrition dietitian background that were working in PR. And yeah. so I, when I uh, got to the agency that I was working with, there was only one other dietitian. And so oh. I was just, and so I was just one of two people. Everybody else was, they were PR professionals. Right, right. Obviously a passion for the food, but I was the only um, dietitian along with this other woman. And we basically, you know, we were exactly what you said. We were the ones that brought the legitimacy, the understanding of the science to incorporate that into the platforms that we were building. Yeah. I feel like, um, you know, that you could hire people from the outside and they could say, hey, I can, I can explain or I can get your message out. But, I, you know, when you have the authenticity of understanding that the message is real, I would suspect that the the PR also comes across as more authentic. Absolutely. Um, and and that's, know, actually, that's actually what you just said is the crux of, of the business of what I did, both internally and for my own business, is that we brought the third-party credibility to our clients' products and services. So we brought on the doctors, the nurses, the dietitians to be spokespeople. We brought them on as advisors for scientific advisory boards and we managed those boards. We brought them on to, we brought in scientists oftentimes to do the food science aspect and bring that knowledge piece to developing the products in the R&D process. So we were very much the people that brought in the third-party experts, whether it was uh, if they were clinicians or they were researchers or they were, you know, whatever their practical focus was, we brought them in to bring legitimacy to all parts of the client's business. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, um, you know, and this kind of is more related to digital marketing, but I think a lot of companies just hire digital marketing firms 
don't necessarily kind of go in and say like, who's on the team? What's their background? What do they know? What clients have they worked with before? Because people start to get a, a, a way of communicating that is much more unique and understanding the client and asking these questions that you're talking about. What's your why? What, you know, why is this better for, uh, you know, a potential client or a member or a customer? So I think that may be one takeaway here just early on for our listener base. You know, do the research on who you're outsourcing to and don't just assume that if they have a slick website and they say they say they could get this return on uh, marketing dollars, that's not necessarily, you know, the end of the conversation on the selection process. So that, that's good to know. So I, I didn't know that about you um, in the past. So that's great. You know, when you started to realize that you were really like a coach wearing like PR clothing, when did, you know, was that, was there like an aha moment or was there a CEO saying like, you know, Rachel, like I kind of didn't expect you to be asking me these questions or I'm not really sure why you're the one I'm listening to, but I'm listening to you the most. Well, what happened? That's exactly what happened, what you just said. So I, I, at this, the story that I'm going to tell you, I, Coaching wasn't even on my radar at that point. What was on my radar was that I was kind of ready to be doing something different. I didn't know exactly what that was. I knew my passion was working with founders and founding teams and executives too in more established companies. But what happened was I was working with two women who were the founders of a company, a sustainable food company. And you know, we were going through the initial stages of that communications building process. And we went, we had had our day of me asking those powerful questions and the team kind of digging into that. And a couple of days later, a week later, I get a call from them and they were like, will you be our coach? And I right. was, I was like, well, I'm not a coach. I don't have any training as a coach. So I, you know, my, my initial answer to that is I, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you deserve somebody who's better well-trained. And they said, well, we really just enjoyed that process you brought us through because the questions you asked made us think about our business in a very different way. They yeah. made us, uh, you know, they made us think about the culture of our business in a very different way. And we just really resonated with that. And that was kind of the aha moment for me where I was like, I think I'm going to start like researching and checking into this coaching thing. And that is what started the process. And I went through probably a good year of learning more about coaching, meeting with my own coach, and then also sort of uh, looking at certification programs. Well, wow, that's great. You know, as you take a look at at coaching, and you know, there's there's obviously it's an industry that I would say that's it's not as well defined as other industries. You know, there's coaches for diff of different flavors. There's coaches of Hey, I'm going to check in with you once a week. I'm going to check in with you once a month. I'm going to give you like a nice wheel of like, here's your priorities for the quarter. Um, I'm going to be a motivator and I'm going to kind of fall back and I'm going to charge you, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month or what have you. So when you straight said, Hey, I'm, I'm going all in on this and I don't necessarily want to take on 40 clients and kind of be, you know, like check in like a babysitter. Um, how did you kind of calibrate? All right. I need X amount of clients to go all in on this, like here's the value and or the price to value of what I'm providing. And also, obviously, you got a lot of startup companies that can't necessarily afford to bring you on at the rate that you deserve. So how did you kind of like go through that maze of to say, all right, this is what my value is on a per hour basis. At the same time, I'm going to kind of follow my gut to what feels like people I can help and what I think can turn into a big company. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'll start by saying, while I certainly love working with founders and entrepreneurs, um, you're right. It's, it's harder for them to find the dollars and the budget to work with a coach. Um, but there, there are, um, you know, I've tended to kind of work with private equity firms, venture capital firms, the people that are kind of supporting these entrepreneurs who are starting to understand the value of coaching. So that's like certainly a way to get to these clients and, and for them to see the value of coaching mm -hmm. and what it can do for their business. So I've also worked with, um, this is a, a big funnel for me for getting clients. You know, there are consulting agencies. I, I, I obviously know the food industry very well. So I've worked with a couple of uh, food accelerators where they're providing consulting services. It might be operating uh, consulting. It might be consulting for marketing and sales. You know, I, I've paired up with a couple of them to kind of be like their coach of, of preference to refer clients to. So I get clients that way as well. But to answer your question about, you know, how I um, charge and, and what my model is, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I've never, I, I knew from the very beginning and having run a PR firm that, you know, charging by the hour was, you know, then, then you're getting paid for your time. You're not getting paid right. value. And we all know there's only so many hours in the day and you're never really, not that you can't make a living that way, but um, I always felt like it was very important to ask people for my value and not my time. And so I just, I approach it that way. I'm very fluid about how I work with clients as far as I'm not going to say to them, you have to work with me for six months and this is what it costs. It's more that I say, I more go to them and say, what is your goal? What is your timeline? Um, what is your budget? And let's figure it out together. And I, it's more of a, it's more of a collaborative process rather than me saying, I do a 10 week program. I do a six week program and this is what it costs. It's more of a discussion and a collaboration. Got it. So, you know, I, I've been an entrepreneur, you know, several times and being an entrepreneur is a pretty lonely place, right? Because you got to kind of show your, your team and, and the market that, Hey, yeah, I'm winning every week. And the reality is that certain things might not be working out. Um, and I got to put that face forward and then I got to, you know, maybe keep that all inside because I really don't have anyone that I can necessarily, you know, bounce this off of because they might be somewhere in the inner circle. Um, they don't want to show any weakness. So, you know, as kind of society has evolved over the last 10 years where it's okay to tell people you have a weakness, it's okay to tell people like, you know, I'm bipolar, right? It's okay to tell people that, you know, things aren't going great. How do you kind of say like, yeah, okay, that's kind of like what society's going, but let me just let you and I talk and let's see if I can help you maintain that kind of, you know, wall of optimism and let you and I work on this on the back end without you maybe being too transparent. I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but I feel like there might be a little too much push for transparency and maybe just a push towards, hey, I'm your coach. We're going to deal with this. And when you're on the field, you're going to play at an optimal level. And we're going to deal with it on, you know, post-game or pre-game. So what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like there's a little bit of, you know, movement in society that might not favor the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, there, there's a couple of things I can say about all of this. And if I'm kind of going in a direction that doesn't, you know, is not what you're asking, just let me know. But I would say, well, a couple of things that, you know, there's this term called coachability, right? And, and that yep. means, you know, to be coachable, you really have to 
be willing to do the introspection and the work. Like a coach can't do it for you. A coach is there to guide you with the right questions and challenge you and all those things. But a coach doesn't tell you what to do. It has to come from within. And it, you know, you can only, you can only do that if you're being honest with yourself and you can only be honest with yourself if you're doing the introspection. So there's that piece of it that I will say. As far as the transparency, and I think you mean being transparent with other people about what your weaknesses are. Is that, is that correct? Correct. Correct. So, um, this actually, uh, this actually came, this, I'm using words that came out of a conversation that I heard on one of Adam Grant's podcasts, and it made so much sense, which is just this idea of, and I forget who he was talking to, but it's just this idea of, you know, vulnerability, which is part, partly transparency, vulnerability about what your weaknesses are, what you might be going through that's a hard time, is can be a strength and can be People can see you um, in a much greater light if you um, show them your vulnerability. But vulnerability comes with credibility. So, like, you can't come to an audience completely unknown, having no background with them, and then like cry your eyes out for fifteen minutes and be right. vulnerable. You might not, you might not get through. But if you've already established your credibility. Um, and that may be as an expert, that may be as a CEO and, and as a leader to your team. It can be whatever scenario. But once you've established credibility, vulnerability actually can get you really far as far Fair as. Fair point. Yeah. 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 Yes. Gotcha. Okay. That's good. That, that, that's, that's what I was looking for guidance on. Um, because I feel like there are certain, you, know, you can't be Jerry Maguire all the time unless you've built up to the point where people understand, okay. Here's my strengths. Here's my weaknesses. I'm going to expose to you some of my weaknesses or things that are of concern to me, but the boat's not going to sink. You know, yeah. don't worry about that. Like I've got a path or I've got a trampoline or we've got a plan yeah. um, to do that. And it's also, you know, that's what teams are for, right? I mean, yes, like you was talking about an entrepreneur, especially if they're literally just the one person and they haven't built a team yet. I mean, that's a different story, but they still have people that they're working with. That's the whole point of having a team is that some people are better at one thing than the other. And they, you know, you have complementary skill sets. And that's part of being a leader is identifying who on your team is better at this versus that and delegating. So, um, you know, it's also positioning it as, you know, not so much as a, as a weakness as in, you know, we all help each other. And, and this is where uh, you're better, you're better at, better, better at it than I am. Right. You know, one of the chapters in the book is one of the first, the first chapter is, is pay for talent. And, you know, like you've got to really bring on solid team members if you want to build a real team and, and build a real business. You know, as, of, as you've looked at probably hundreds of entrepreneurial companies, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, maybe the second pick in the draft besides themselves is like the first pick, you know, they might pick a spot that might be like, a defensive spot. You know, they might say, Hey, I've got this business. I've got this great food, you know, packaged good. I got a great brand. I'm going to go hire a CFO. And they probably should have hired like a head of sales, or they probably should have hired a marketing person. So, you know, when you go in and look at a company and diagnose and say, Hey, look, I see where your areas are. I can look at your financials. I can see where your market penetration is. You know, where do you kind of typically see that either that was a mistake or like, that sequentially was not the right next hire. Yeah. You know, I think 
I think what it comes down to, you know, as a coach, I'm not telling people what what to do from a hiring perspective where we can examine it and ask them the hard questions. And I think really what it comes down to is, you know, if if you look at it from the perspective of what your of what your end goal is, and your goals are changing dramatically and dynamically as 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 an entrepreneur, right? It's not like an established company, you know, sure. and even established companies these days, like setting goals is an extremely dynamic process in in these days. But bring it back more to the entrepreneur, which is if you're really in tune with what the problem is that you're trying to solve, the next step becomes really, it's much, if you, if you, if you're looking at your business, not from the end game perspective, like, like if you go into, if if you're an entrepreneur and you're going into business thinking purely about your end game, you're not going to have the, the innate guidance that you need. If you go in saying, this is the purpose we want to serve. This is the problem we're trying to solve. And, and you're always looking at it from that perspective. It's a lot more clear. And if your team knows that too, it's a lot more clear what your next step is. And then you know, is it a salesperson that you need to hire? Is it an operations person that you need to hire? So I find that the companies that get in trouble are the ones that are only thinking about the end game and they're not thinking about the problem that they're trying to solve. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, there are some companies that, um, without naming names, um, they, they, they come up with a product or they come up with a service. And I'll give you an example. There was someone that came to me and says, hey, I'm going to open up this, um, this, this uh, uh, natural foods uh, cafe and grocery and let's just call like downtown uh, Nashville. Um, it's an underserved market. And I say, I said to him, you know, where do you live in Nashville? He's like, I don't live in Nashville. I live in Brooklyn. It's like, you got to like own that community and you've got to like be in it to win it. You know, are there sometimes when you get called into something, maybe it's not on a venture capital or private equity deal, because maybe they vetted this yet, where you kind of say, you know what, like you might give this a swing, but I don't really see kind of what you're solving. And I'm not really sure if you should do this because a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, there are more people that want to sell their company than want to buy their company. That's just how it is, right? So you see certain entrepreneurs that have been in a deal for 10 years and they're just like, I got to get out of this or I should have just shut this down a long time ago. You know, do you ever get into those kind of hard conversations with like, look, I'm not sure like your purpose, the frustration and the market timing kind of align here. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would say this was more of what I did when I was consulting from a PR perspective. I can't tell you how many times, many times, you know, I always said when I was meeting with a client for the first time in my communication business, I always said, I'm going to be the person who tells you what you do not want to hear. Because a lot of times, I can't tell you how many times a a, a natural food brand comes to me and they say, this is how we want to promote our product. And I'm like, and you know, granted, a big part of the process was getting all the science down and understanding the research and, and speaking with the experts and all that. But very often, not more often than not, but very often what they thought was going to be the key to promoting their business, there wasn't really the support and the cre- credibility for that to be the basis of their promotional stance. And yes, I did have to have those co- hard conversations. Mm-hmm. So, so in closing here, you know, as people enter a new season, you know, we look at everything on, from a sports analogy 
you know, entering 2023. Um, they're thinking about getting a coach. They're thinking about, hey, maybe I should just try and, you know, go it alone, or maybe I can uh, lean on a, a board member, or I can lean on an advisor. You know, what, what's your, you know, I wouldn't say pitch, but what's like your narrative to say, you know, look, now's the time to invest in yourself. Now's the time to really think about, you know, take a time out. Let's actually like methodically think about where you're heading because a lot of companies don't take timeouts. A lot of companies just kind of do the same thing, remanufacture their budget, which they never hit. So there's been enough PR around getting a coach. You know, why do you, you know, what would you say to somebody, you know, that's basically kind of slogging along, maybe growing with the industry or not growing to say, you know, now, now's the time to, to, to kind of saddle up and this is what the, the, the bigger companies are doing. Yeah, I think, you know, every person, it doesn't, it could be, we could be talking about the president of the United States. We can be talking about a CEO of one of the world's most, you know, known companies. Every single person has like these internal obstacles that get in the way. Um, They could be the most successful, high achieving people, but we all have these things that, you know, are based on internal assumptions we, we may have, but we all have these obstacles that cause us to be in our own way and actually prevent us from getting there. And a good coach is the person who is going to, you know, you may come to coaching with this aspirational goal of this is what you want to achieve, but there's something underneath there that is preventing you from getting there. And um, that's what coaching is all about is like figuring out what is it that is like blocking you and a coach is the person who will ask the right questions, who will challenge you to kind of unearth that. Because once you unearth that, then you can start putting in the behaviors and the tactics that allow you to go beyond that. Awesome. Well, it was great to, uh, to see you in person last month. It's great to have you in the halo sector at large. You know, the, the food and nutrition that go in everyone's body is obviously integral to living a healthy lifestyle. Um, as much as we focus on fitness, we, uh, we're definitely more focused on, uh, on nutrition and the fuel. So, um, the coaching is a big, uh, big piece of the puzzle here, I think, into creating great companies and great teams. So we'll have all your information on the, uh, on the show notes and look forward to seeing you in person and let's keep, you know, building great businesses and live a halo lifestyle. So good to see you again. Good to see you, Pete. Thank you so much. And awesome. the work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you.